Welcome to the fifth episode of Egg London Presents Save Nightlife. I'm Ben Malone. This week, the government announced their proposed uh, road to return to normality. June 21st is the date that we've been given for a return to clubs. And there's no doubt that this is a step in the right direction. But I think it's important to remember that this is four months away. And as we've discussed in previous episodes of the podcast, nightclubs currently are on the brink of collapse. Egg has a crowdfunder campaign running. The link is below this video. If you can support that campaign, that would go a long way to help save the club. In this episode of Save Nightlife, I'm joined by a DJ and producer who's making a name for himself in house music. He's played a bit of rugby as well in his time, uh, James Haskell, and a rising star DJ and producer because of art. Guys, how are we doing? Brilliant. Yeah, really well, really well. I've never been introduced as a producer and a DJ. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> thank you. I thought we got, you know, got to point out we're in a music oh. podcast, so this is this is your world here. Oh yeah, of course it is because you know, Ableport goes, oh, it's a former rugby player, does a little bit of DJ production. It's like, no, I used to be a rugby player. That's done now. Let's forget about it. Let's leave that there. Now I'm with the cool kids operating. <laughs> that, if you say cool kids, you're immediately not cool. So <laughs> after people who follow this podcast are switched off going, oh, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to start with just a very open question to you both. What does nightlife mean, mean to you? Alex, um, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's about that being able to go go wherever you want and be who you want and just have a good time with everyone. Um, it's, it's sometimes like for a lot of people coming out from, from stressful jobs and being able to just release over the weekend and, and let go. And yeah, for me, it's, it's just completely about bringing people together and, and having like really nice times with amazing music and amazing people. I think for me, it's all about escapism. You know, for for a large part of my life, I was I was very dedicated to a specific job, and nightlife was something that other people had. Obviously, since I've reti retired, um, you know, it's kind of a, a it's she's a dark mistress that nobody sort of knows about. What's what secrets will she reveal? You know, and any night can be the greatest night of your life, and something can start out of nothing. And uh, I think that's the excitement. And for me. Music especially, you know, music has got so many people through lockdown and has, in, in, you know, in general changes people's lives and moods. But to be united, to go and see someone and to dance and to party and to feel those emotions, to get a bit drunk, you know, to be on the dance floor with someone to show, you know, to try to chat a girl up to, to, to hands in the air and a DJ moment. They're all they're all what makes um, nightlife so special. And uh, I think it's it's something that's been sorely missed and you've seen how much it means to people. But she's a dark mistress. Anything can happen at any time. <laughs> and Alex, I guess perhaps a little bit more aimed at you, given that you've been working in music a touch longer. But have you ever seen a situation like this where clubs have just not been able to open? Mm, no, I, I, not. I mean, I've been DJing out in clubs probably 10, 15 years. Um, and I've never seen anything where we've just not been able to, to, to be in a club or, or a festival or anything. I think the closest I remember to, to a club being in trouble, I think, was when Ministry had um, some development issues or something along those lines, and that all needed to be sorted out. But apart from that, I've, I've not experienced anything where we haven't physically been able to get in a club or I've not had a gig in a month or something like that. And it's, it's extremely hard to deal with. I have days where you're like, you think, oh, is it ever going to come back? And you get very disheartened by it. I, I like to think of myself as a very 
uh, a very positive and optimistic person. And I, I always think, yeah, they're going to come back. And the, the thought last year of, geez, like, is it ever going to get back to everyone crammed in a, in a sweaty room, like hugging and, and licking each other? Like, it's, <laughs> is, is that ever going to happen? I, I don't know. But I mean, I've never seen anything like this in, in my DJ career so far. And we kind of touch on, on, you know, the last year, and I mentioned it at the start of the podcast, this, this timeline now, we have this apparently four months until we're opening. That still feels like a long way. That's another third on what we've done already. And, you know, you touch on, say, it's been difficult the last year. It definitely has. I think for me, everyone seems to be, certainly in January, early February, was really feeling it. Do you think, has oh, that, yeah. have you felt the same? Yeah, 100%. Uh, it, it just the not knowing was was horrible, um, and then you see like glimpses of other countries who are obviously like COVID free and are getting back to these massive festivals, and that's really like that's been driving me as an inspiration thing. Like it is going to get back to that surely at some point. Um, so yeah, there's been things that have really dragged you down, and things that you see like that that pick you right back up and think right it's on again. And then this news, like I was just saying, the weather this week, the news that that could be coming back in in June. Had the tunes on, I was like, I'm ready for this. It's been madly ins- inspiring, but always that doubt in my mind, thinking they're just going to keep pushing it back. Short, like, and you just don't know, I guess. It will come back. And I mean, James, I guess we could be looking at like the biggest summer ever, right? Yeah, I mean, I think what's really interesting is we, we're so unprepared for a situation like this. Um, you know, every industry wasn't prepared, but especially somewhere or you know the leisure and entertainment industry you know everything that i've done since i'm playing was either djing public speaking corporate work you know um recording stuff for ads on social media all those kind of things involve crowds and people and we're just not prepared for that and, and what's bizarre about this this sort of covid situation is is that you know the price and the, the cost and, and toll of other things of taking covid to one side you know, at one point it was like i think it's the 24th thing on the list of killing people in the uk and you know, we sort of bizarrely because it's the first time this has happened, or maybe you know the way the government wanted to handle it, it's become the focus of everything. But we've sort of not seen the other toll, suicides, all this other stuff that's affecting it. And I think hopefully when we get out of this period of time, you know, the days of lockdown and stuff will be will be over because it just, you know, unfortunately people always die from colds, from from cancers, from everything. And you know, yes, COVID has has hit everyone in such a short condensed period of time and taking more life than usual, but no more than you would usually get over a period of time. You know, it's not like millions have died in, in, in the country. So I think hopefully when we get back out of it, we'll stay out of it. And this summer, everybody's so excited, you know, and humans are really interesting because when you tell them they can't have something, all they want to do is do that thing. So during the first lockdown, you know, everyone was like, you can't go out. You can't, you know, you've got to stay inside. And then they went, you can exercise. And everyone walked outside and was like, oh my God, it's a hot, it's a world out here. Look at those birds. Look at those trees. This is amazing, right? And then so everyone discovered this whole amazing planet we've got and didn't realize that we had it because everyone glued to their phone. And then you saw it in the first period. Everyone was like, oh, I just need to climb a mountain. And they're like, what do you mean? You've never climbed a mountain in your life. I, well, I've got to go canoeing. Like, you don't canoe. It's like because people said you can't do it. Everyone wants to start doing their Duke of Edinburgh award and just get out there. And I think for this summer, the fact that people have said you can't go and do it, you've seen already the excitement. I mean, I've seen four or five sold out venues. Um, people actually, I know there's been a huge financial toll and people, and context is key. So what I, my experience of COVID is very different than, than other people's experience. I haven't yet lost someone to COVID. I'm not in the demographic of someone that's to, to COVID. 
And financially, I've taken it, it's taken a huge impact, but obviously I'm in a better place than some people. But I think a lot of people, because they haven't been spending money and going out, there's going to be some money to be spent on some nights out. And I, I know the problem is, I think on the 21st, everyone's going to peak, go absolutely nuclear, <laughs> and then wake up on the morning of the 22nd going, Christ, I'm never going out again. So what we need, well, so what we need is in, in the summer of love and the summer of party that hopefully we will have, it's going to, um, it's going to be, you know, sustainable. It's going to be good. And enough venues survive to be able to cater to those, to those needs. I just, my one caveat is that I don't want a party like socially separated. You know, I did a few DJ gigs through this period of time and they put like 80 people in this big blow up marquee thing. Um, these like students are DJ and they're all sitting in pods. Yeah. And, um, and every time someone stood up, security were like, sit down. And it was like, it was like whack-a-mole. They'd sit up, they'd sit down. They'd sit up, they'd sit up. The DJ, the whole, well, my whole concept is, is you want crowd reaction. You want people to, to, to be involved. And I just you want people to be together. Want to be together and enjoying it. And I, and I think that's the most important thing. And I think once we understand people get vaccinated and appreciate, you know what? People are going to die anyway. We're going to die of common colds. We're going to get flu. We're going to die of obesity. No, type 2 die. All this other stuff. We can actually go back to enjoying it and stop wrapping ourselves in cotton wool, I think. Well, mate, there's, I was just thinking what you said about the crowds. There's, there's nothing worse, like, when you're DJing, seeing little pockets of empty space. Like, imagine if they had, like, you're allowed in this It's like doing an opening set all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, and they go, yeah, we, we've hit capacity tonight. Oh, 2,000 club. Yeah, we've got, we've got 80 people in. Because <laughs> everyone has to be socially distanced. Like, oh, it's not going to work. Well, Alex, Alex obviously is like my DJ teacher, guru, production partner, and, and obviously you know good friend. A bit like Kevin and Perry, my Perry, my fellow DJ. We prepared for. Um, we were, I was preparing for the set, and I was talking to Alex, and he was like, "What's it like?" And I was like, "Mate, it was great to be up there, but absolutely no crowd participation. And when they did, they just got told off. And I just hope that we're able to." to really enjoy this summer. And, and I think the problem, what I think the government knows is as soon as you take the bottle out, the uh, bottle out of champagne, you never get it back in again. We'll all be like that. Yeah. Fucking come on! <laughs> like, well, you can't do that. Fuck off. Like, tip security to bin and carry on. <laughs> it is interesting because everyone I've had on, on this series has said exactly the same about socially distance events. They have, they have their place when you, there is no other option, but mm -hmm. no DJ is looking like wants to do socially distant events because it's all about that feeling, that togetherness on the dance floor that you just don't get when everyone's 10 metres apart. Yeah. yeah, you want to see people being chucked up in the air in the crowds and stuff. <laughs> That's not going to happen if you're socially distanced. I think it's also, you know, we've got to mention as well that socially distanced events aren't viable for clubs. Clubs rely on packing as many people as they can into what is usually a relatively small space. A, for the atmosphere, but B, because that's how you get the crowds through and that's how you sell the volume of, of drinks and whatever that is uh, you know, required to run a club these days. So it's not just a case that the event is less enjoyable. It is fundamentally flawed as a kind of, as a long-term option. Yeah, I think a lot of clubs on that front, they always, they, they look at their budgets and stuff and, and they, they count on hitting capacity, don't they? So they'll say, right, we can run that event because if we hit capacity, we'll get that much money and that'll book the next DJ. I think that's how it works anyway. So I've got a real concern, actually. I was talking to a couple of people about it, talking to a couple of agents um, in, you know, about DJ agents in the UK about work. And, you know, their, their opinion was it's going to take a couple of years to get back to the volume that it, that it, you know, was before. And I, 
while I agree, because they know more than I do, and I, I do enough things, but I can't put myself down as a DJ agent. Um, they, you know, I, I'm interested because because people have had that taken away from them, and the fact they enjoy going out with their friends, they miss socialising. We're, we're social animals, um, and you know, I can't stand the no hugging, all this fist bumping, elbow bumping. I'm like, no, absolutely not. I'm a hugger. I will always be a hugger. Um, you know, let's. I want to get back to that normality. I don't want to walk into a room with my hands in my pockets, like. You're right. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's the same thing with the, the, the nights out. But I think because uh, people uh, more often are working from home now, companies and people are going to need to encourage their staff to bond and actually go out. And because people won't be seeing their seeing their friends uh, uh, as much, I think we're going to get more people going out, more people going to events, more people wanting to experience these things because it's been so long. You know, it's been a year and a bit since we've sort of had any any sort of party time like that. And I hope that we start investing in times like that because if we're still going to be separated, which a lot of people will be, a lot of people will just think, you know, they well, change their mindset. just keep working from home now. Just keep yeah, working yeah. from home. We're not going to go on the high street. We're going to need to express ourselves. And I, I hope, as I said, that enough venues are able to survive and get numbers through the door. Um, and I think there's a large proportion of people that will, that will just go, screw it, I'm going out. Yeah, yeah for 100%. sure. And I guess there's a whole kind of other, and this, I guess, more in your professional capacities in the industry, a huge part of nightlife in the industry is networking, meeting people for collaborate, collaborations to kind of further your, your career. That has been a huge loss this year. Yeah, definitely. Like the, the, the people you meet in like the, the green rooms or backstage at events are, they can either like, they can get you like vital contacts in, in pushing forwards in your career so it's as much as it is going out partying uh, there are the times where you, you're meeting really, like, very influential people that can definitely drive someone like me as well like, i'm trying to push through the ranks and meeting people is, is um, was a massive part of of going out for me as well so yeah it's, it's very important that sort of thing Alex, you would have been better at me if you hadn't drunk a bottle of spiced rum and then just embarrassed yourself <laughs> yeah. in, every, in every green room. I'm like, how do you go? Because I met this person. I was like, how were you? And he's like, I may have drunk my bottle of spiced rum and got steaming. And I was like, I don't yeah. know what I'm <laughs> walking, walking up to Carl Cox. Coxie! <laughs> <laughs> my manager was like, mate, we need, kind of need to think about limiting your intake of spiced rum. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to just wind that in. And just, you know, the DJ lifestyle's great and it looks great on Instagram. But let's just wind that down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I will say, do you know what's interesting? I was talking to, to be absolutely name drop.com, but I was talking to Nick Fanciuli about this and he, about like, some music production stuff. So I will put that name off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> We're good friends. Um, and I was talking to him about it and he, you know, about sort of, you know, the, the obviously music and people in the industry. That's why I, I, you know, I, Alex is, you know, a legitimate, you know, world-class producer, has a million releases, unbelievable you know, DJ. Someone like myself coming into this, you know, there's always this concept that anyone can DJ now and, you know, um, I will never, I don't think, perceived as being particularly cool or or in, you know, no music and art and all these kind of things are quite niche. And, you, you know, there's certain crowds and you have to be, have your legitimacy and authenticity. And, you know, did you, you know, were you playing dark techno clubs for, for 10 years before you can play techno? Do you wear all black and smoke you know, cigarettes at 60 a day? Otherwise, you can't be part of the club. Um, I, so I, I was, I always, I know I'm, I'm fully aware of those kind of things, but actually, what, what I think lockdown has done. Is broken down barriers and changed, I think, some musical tastes along the way. And actually, because people aren't clubbing, you're now seeing much more 
uh, dance, vocally, house music that people want to listen to in their living rooms, listen to in their cars if they're going to work. You know, and I think that's changed a lot of stuff. But it's also meant that DJs have got outside of their normal comfort zones. And you've seen people collaborate with other people that you wouldn't have got. You know, like Danny Howard was doing that thing with um, his, his sort of uh, putting people together and Dennis Ferrer and Disciples, you know, getting that, that uh, whisper, that amazing song you just wouldn't have got. You know, like you had Nick Fanchi doing stuff with, with um, I can't remember what his name is now. Uh, it's not STK, it's uh, MK. You know, those two guys making a song together. And there's just loads of these different things and people going outside their boundaries. And I think it's broken down a few a few things where you're like, whatever, I'd never release that kind of music. Next minute, you know, you're releasing a remix of Joel Corey track and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? I think it's twofold there as well because I was doing a talk or I was listening to a talk actually the other day where we discussed exactly that, James, about the barriers have kind of fallen down a little bit now because at the end of the day, everyone working in this sector now has gone, oh shit. <laughs> at the end of the day this is a DJ I'm a DJ we're experiencing the same problems right now um, so there's that kind of as you say the the cool clubs aspect that I think has definitely been broken down a little bit um, by this but there's also the music styles that you say and I really wanted to talk to you both about this it feels like we've heard very different music in the last year than we had done previously and there's a big element of uh, the kind of bringing more vocals in, I think largely because making a club tune right now makes a little bit less sense. But I think also it's potentially a little bit more emotive, the music that we're hearing. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think it's, it's more about now. Um, <clears throat> uh, I guess especially when I write music, it's, it's about like creating people like something different. I use this experience to to sort of go slightly different route with my sound and, and get, like you said, more vocalists in so people can just listen to it at home um, and just maybe enjoy it on a drive rather than just being like a 4-4 four, four thumper that you, with like a 10-minute intro that, that you can't really listen to at home. Um, yeah, I've been making stuff that's definitely a bit more listening listening records. Um, and like, like you said, with, with guys like the guys are going out of their comfort zone, people are trying new things and I think it's actually making for really exciting music. Um, which is really cool. I mean, I know listening to, you know, to, luckily, you know, talk, get to talk to Simon Dunmore, another name drop, um, every now and then about Defected. I you know he always jokes and, and has said stuff about Tech House on online. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Tech House. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. all, all sorts of different music. And I think that it's it's relied on people to be more creative, you know, not to sit, sit around, you know, digging through sample packs, but making their own kind of tunes, being experimental. Um, and you know, even from my point of view, you know, when you're entering this kind of market and you're not, you know, uh, in inverted commas, legitimate like you guys are or perceived as that, I've, I've been very kind of calculated because I, I, you know, Alex, is, as I said, is my production partner. He obviously quite has a, a certain sound because of art, has, has a certain sound and tone. But because he works with different people, he actually gets to do that broad spectrum of different music. So I come to him, like we, we came, I came to him the other day and I was... My wife was, was forcing me at gunpoint to listen to um, Taylor Swift in the car. Uh, it's actually, she's actually amazing. Listening to Taylor Swift and um, we listened to The Weeknd and, you know, obviously Daft Punk, um, who, you know, recently obviously separated. And I came to Alex and I was like, do you know what? I want to put a bit more an 80s feel to, uh, uh, you know, a dance track. And we sat there and we worked on it for hours. And I, I think we made something really cool together. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it was those kind of things of where, I wanted to to stay in my lane, which is kind of dance and 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 um, 
kind of cool house, sort of, you know, legitimate house music, but with that vibe where, you know, if, we, if we're not out of this for a period of time or so we have to go back in, people can listen to it and, and want to put it on. And I know this, uh, in, I think music is obviously so mood orientated. That's why I, I'm really into techno. Like, I love techno. And even I'll work, I'll sit here working in my office, just listening to like, you know, Adam Bear or whoever else. And then I'll think to myself, actually, I want a little bit of a change up. And I think that's one benefit. I, I just hope that the music goes back though. Because when we are clubbing, we want those tunes. We want those like those, those ones that make your, your head nod. But I think it has really pushed us to challenge stuff. And it certainly made me be more, Alex and I be more creative and stuff. And I really enjoyed that going, how can we make this 80s tune work is, is a house thing. It'd be really fun. Yeah. Well, you know, also like I draw a lot of inspiration from clubs. You, you go to a club night, you see another DJ playing, you think, ah, oh, like I could probably try and make a record that hits that hard in the club. You go home and you'd be making ideas like the second you get home and it's very club inspired. Not going out to clubs, not getting that level of inspiration. So I'm thinking about other other things, like you said, like that the inspiration is coming from from elsewhere other than the clubs. I think it's important to still make club records and just keep them in the bank for when when the clubs do come back. Um, hopefully, very soon. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely making people think differently about music. You touch on on the kind of not being in clubs inf- having an impact on on the influences that you take for your music has it also had an impact on working the music that you have made and released because a big part of a, a you know a dance music track is playing it in a club and if you've not been able to do that surely that's going to impact uh, the success whether that's you know kind of numerical on streams but also just how how many people are exposed to a track yeah, I think that's that's been a big thing. Getting feedback from DJs when you send a record out saying, yeah, I'll play this in the club. And you might see a video of, of one of them putting up the crowd reaction or something. That was so, that was like a massive buzz for me. Seeing that reaction, like I remember, I think it was Joris Vaughan, someone had filmed him dropping one of my records in, uh, in Amsterdam. And seeing the crowd react the way it was, even though I wasn't there, I'd like to send chills from it. And I was like, that's the sort of thing, this is why I, I make music. Um, the next best thing is like radio plays. For me, that gets me like super excited. And that's been amazing. Like the support on, on some of the tracks recently has been, been really good, but it just doesn't feel the same as seeing it in a club or, or even hearing on a system like that. Um, I'd love to go down, hit a massive function one system, just mix for an hour and play all my records for it. It's also a really good way of judging how you, your records are sounding. Like those systems are powerful. And if there's any little mistakes in your record, it really pings through them. So that for me, like testing records in clubs, um, seeing if the like drops too too long or the breaks too long, like you then go home and make tweaks to your records and think, okay, this will this will impact them better if I make it eight bars, sixteen bars shorter or something like that. So yeah, it's definitely a massive part of how I think about production and how I think about my tracks and road testing my tracks as well. So it's it's a shame that we really can't can't do that at the moment, but I'm hoping to hear my records echo around festivals <laughs> after June. But you never know. <laughs> it's, it's actually new to me. The thing is, I've got my first release uh, coming out. I mean, obviously, when the podcast comes out, but uh, Friday. Do you say it's Friday the 6th? Is that right? You oh, ben, so, you, I mean, that's the thing. Dates. What's the date these days? <laughs> what is the date? No one what knows. Is, what is the date? <laughs> Whatever it is, next Friday is my first, the first track to make you feel. But I have never gone through this process. But all I, you know, because I've been lucky enough to, to, to release like podcasts and books and stuff and do things like that. Timing is obviously crucial. 
So I've never seen anyone play it. Like I, you know, I was I was really excited about when we made this track to play it in a in you know a, at a at a set and to test it out. And I put it in a few live streams that I've done and for my radio show, um, Battle Radio. People, uh, you know, have, have fed back and said they love it, but I had never had that. And it was I remember when it got signed to D for Dance, um, one of the uh, the defective sub labels, and. Um, you know, I was like, they wanted to bring it out in like January. I was like, no, no, we're not doing that because A, everyone's like pressed as hell after Christmas, spent all their cash, not interested. <laughs> and I was sort of, I wanted to make sure that there was a chance we'd be out of it. So obviously it's coming out in, you know, the first week of March. And I think hopefully that will, that will filter. But then when I sat down with Alex, I made the first one. I was like, right, we need to make more. So we're just sitting there with our studio, like just churning these tunes out, like wanting to do these different vibes because it's such a, an addictive feeling and because i want when people when we're clubbing for people to actually start playing it and to send me a video like like people get i just i'm desperate to to um to have that you know those videos are like a currency in the music industry aren't they oh, yeah. <laughs> how you gain the respect massive dj plays your records like yeah like, and the social media has been wicked for that like you can show people now although a lot of phones in the club isn't a great thing, but it's always nice to have someone recording it. <laughs> that's, that's a whole new topic. We don't have time to go into no, that. We'll be here all day. <laughs> um, you mentioned, James, the, the live streams. Now, live streams have obviously been an essential part of, of our industry for the last year, but they're not the same as a club, are they? No, they're not. I mean, I think some people, if you look across um, some of the more commercial guys, like James Hype, you know, what he's done with his live stream, someone that is... You know, just committed to putting these music out, these tricks and stuff, and has built this kind of real culture and crowd. I think it's brilliant. For me, it actually was good because it gave me the confidence to do it. I'd always wanted to do it, but was a little bit nervous. Um, you know, people tune in, I think, for someone like my seed to see me fuck up or, or want to do it because they're like, you know, you're a rugby player. What are you doing, DJ? But again, you know, I started being more consistent about putting those out. Alex was doing them, you know, you were, when you, you were doing them as well, uh, we were tuning to each other's ones and he was absolutely killing it and showing all his tricks and doing different, different um, theme nights. And it's not the same, but it was the best we could get. And I'll tell you who I thought did it brilliantly was Defected and their Defected festivals and the, and the, the you know, production quality that they put out there. Um, you know, the guys at, uh, I think it's Alt Vision who, who do it, a guy, Dave Brown, who puts all the, puts all the stuff together were like, mega and that was when the sun was, i think it was in the summer the sun was shining you'd have you know the effective festival starting at 12 and you just have an absolute rave up outside in your garden the sun was shining a few beers um and that was really cool obviously as it's gone on because we didn't think it was going to take this long we thought we wouldn't have to be have to do them but it, but it's nice but also get it, it what it, it's interesting because it's changed the way you play the music because people want to have the dance music. So I put a set together and you think, oh, this is going to be cool and we're playing it. But it's like, yeah, but people don't want that. They want rhythm of the dancer. They want, you know, they want finally, they want all the, you know, they want, you know, um, music sounds better with you. They want, because they want these things that are dancing at home. You know, they want all these kind of classic tunes. And again, it makes you think about how to prepare stuff. But it's, it's, I put a post up of a, of a meme where when you're a normal DJ, the worst thing is, mate, mate, can you play a bit of this? No, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. I'll smile at you. I'll give you a thumbs up. But we're not friends. Please don't invade my area and ask for, and ask for requests. On, so, on, on social, you know, that's sort of like there's that meme of that bloke handing that woman off. She's trying to hand him a CD to play. But then now on live stream, like, tell us your requests. How is everybody going? It's like, it's changed us. But I promise you, as soon as we go back, we're not taking requests. Just <laughs> but it's kind of just filled that void, hasn't it? And as you say, it has 
it feeds into a little bit like um, what you said about people producing different music because a stream, pe- most people are not listening to a live stream on a club level sound system. They're just not. So, you know, an hour long industrial techno repetitive beat set probably is going to have less appeal now than it would in a nightclub. Yeah, that, those sort of techno events, it's all about just feeling that power, isn't it, in the bass. And when you've got something pootling out your iPhone and it's just complete, complete high-end, it doesn't, doesn't work. But the festivals, I think the defective one, I had it on in my garden in the summer, and I, I looked over the fence, I could hear music, and they were like two doors down and, and next door, all had the same set on. So we were like, a bit like... It was <laughs> a bit of a feeling. Yeah, you think like this is a mini festival. So things like that have been important to get us through, but yeah, not the same at all. I mean, I tell you what's funny thing. I had, um, you know, those Zoom chats during the first time we were doing Zooms. I couldn't stand quiz Zoom. period. And I, I was like, everyone, what happens is you get open Zoom, all the women monopolize it, screaming over the top of it, can't get a word in edgeways. Lads are setting up side group. And I had one of these Beats headphones in. And Chloe, I was like, people were talking. Chloe was like, what are, you doing? what are you doing? And I was like, babe, I obviously haven't been listening for the last hour. I'm steaming. I've had Low Stepper. <laughs> Low Stepper was doing a live Twitch. On her account. I was, and I, the whole time I just kept my head so she couldn't see it. And she was like, are you not even listening? I was like, babe, I honestly don't care what any of you are saying. I don't want to sit on a Zoom. I'm just being here polite. My body's here. My mind is with Low Stepper with all those cardboard cutouts. Just giving it up. Like, he did some great streams. Ever all right? Yeah. Now, James, I couldn't get you on this podcast without asking about the sports angle uh, in some way or other. Sport has in many ways been affected in, you know, the similar kind of vein as as nightclubs, you know, organized sport at grassroots level and professional level has not been happening. Obviously, sport's been a massive part of your life. It must have been doubly tough having no music and no sport. Oh. Well, what's even worse is we've now got some sport back at the top level with no crowd. And I could honestly tell you, sport without a crowd is terrible. Like, at least with a live stream, people can tune in and obviously, you know, and you kind of get some interaction. But as a player, there's no interaction apart from your teammates. It's awful. I've, I've commentated a few times at um, Twickenham and I, I managed to, uh, Guinness had a box and they were like doing some stuff there. And I snuck in there and nicked a couple of cans while I was doing like in, in, in the game. And I sat down stage and like, it just echoed. Like, <laughs> Everyone looked around, I was like that. Okay, I'm really sorry, I probably put that down. Um, so yeah, look, it, it's, it's been bad. I think, you know, every, I mean, for a, na- for a nation that's trying to battle um, to survive something, we're all got way, un- way more unhealthy, um, especially people who are playing five-a-side football, golf, tennis, um, you know, grassroots rugby. It's yeah, it's no music, no sports, uh, and the sport we are watching is just awful because we've lost all the atmosphere. Um, but then you go and tune into New Zealand because obviously they're an island. I mean, what's even worse is that we're an island, but we didn't manage to just lock all the doors and stop it. New Zealand went, well, you're just not coming in, and they they kept it really secure. And now there's, I saw the guys from, um, yeah, I saw the guys from Six Sixty who I got to know because I lived in Dunedin where they're from, um, and Six Sixty became the biggest band in the world because they were gigging to like 60,000 people. And that was, they, you know, because no one else was doing it. They became the biggest live act in, you know, in 2021. Um, so I was gutted about that. They've got stadiums full of people watching rugby. So yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a kick in the old testicle, but I, yeah, we just have to roll on because again, people, you know, people are losing, losing lives here and it's all, it's all context related, but um, I've managed to survive. But yeah, as soon as we get crowds back everywhere, 
life will be much better because without it, it's just pants. And I guess there is that kind of same mental health benefit from playing sports with your with your mates as there is from going on a night out. Of Plus, you've got the physical kind of endorphins of exercise. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, I spent all day uh, yesterday and today um, on TV doing promoting single workout to help out, um, which is not about keeping gyms open now or getting things open earlier. It was about the government changing their approach to uh, diet and health because, you know, in one hand, we're all clapping the NHS saying we're not going to go out and do clubbing or play sport not to infect everyone. <laughs> then we're just getting steamy and they're doing eat out to help out. We're all rushing out the door and eating whatever we can. And what people forget is that there is no such thing as bad food. So fast food is not bad food. Overeating anything will make you uh, will make you fat and unhealthy. So it's for me, it was about raising education and doing everything else. And one thing that's been hammered during this period is mental health. You know, male suicide was already the biggest killer of, of men under forty. You know, it, it's just gone through the roof. All these things, cancer cases have gone through the roof. Everything's gone through the roof because we've been so focused on this. And mental health in playing sports, seeing your friends, linking up, putting your body through a bit of turmoil is what makes you feel great. Um, you know, even even dancing nonstop for four hours on one spot in front of a club, mate, you know, that's a fat burner right there. I did that once. I put, I put my, my heart rate monitor on my Apple Watch. I was like, right, we're in for the long haul here. Seeing how long I go, that 3,000 calories burn. Keep going. I think my step count once when I was in a club, it was like 40,000 steps. I was like, I haven't moved anywhere. What if you if you could put a um, pedometer on your jaw? <laughs> hundred thousand, hundred thousand steps. What are you shifted by a couple of mil? Yeah. Right at the back of your head, mate. What's going on? Um, I want to bring it back to Egg now as we kind of approach the the end of the episode. Egg, an iconic club. Alex, you said you've played every room in there, right? I think before they did the refurb and they made the big, the big sort of main room bit, I'd played, I think when I went in there, you had like the loft, which was one of the first rooms I played in in that club. Um, Then I did the basement and then I went into the middle room, which I think back then was the main room. And then you had like the garden. So I managed to get a set in all of them. That was like the beginning of my DJ career, like I was doing the ticket sales, like when you have to, to sell tickets for your, for your sets and stuff, which a lot of people moan about that and, and aren't happy with it. But that's, I think for me, that's how you, you determine whether you've got the drive to try and make it or not. Like that was a big part of me coming through and, and seeing if I was dedicated to this. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of that. I played the room. Um, it's, it's, that club has been a massively influential part of my career. Like, to be honest, and I, it was always like you'd end up at Egg. Like, no matter where you went, you'd, you'd end up at Egg. I had that super late. 24 last. hours. You know, Sunday I morning. At one point, I ended up in Egg and then went through to this really small little room at the side. And it had like a, uh, like a medicine cabinet hanging up. And I was like, I've never even knew this existed. So, the broom cupboard. Or the medic bay. <laughs> yeah. You could have a rave in the medic bay with the <laughs> Maybe it was just too much spice rum again. And I- <laughs> <laughs> but that place is is a maze, um, and as you say, it's it's such an iconic venue that has had such an important role in in so many DJs, and you know just music lovers times. Um, yeah, also, it was the first time I heard uh, what was my Jane Cole's like big hit, one of her first ones. 
You know that one. Oh, yeah, what um, they say, is it? What they say, that's it. I mean, that was one of the first times I heard it on the Funk Command system in that room. I was like, wow, that is an absolute record. And it's still one that I love playing now. It's a huge tune. But I mean, I remember that from Egg, and I can remember being in the exact same spot in the dance floor. Got so many memories from that place. Yeah, it's, it's a massive club. And there are, you know, Egg is obviously in a, in, a, in a tough situation. It's not the only club. There are clubs all around the UK who are really struggling at the moment. What would it mean for British culture, music culture, if these clubs just stopped existing? Well, it would be horrendous. That'd be like, I think the clubbing scene is, is just such an important part of, of the UK. And I think we have, like, as a country, we have a very, like, everyone comes from different countries. I want to go clubbing in London. Oh, I want to go to Egg. I want to go to Ministry. I want to go to Fabric. Like, people actually travel across the world to come to our country. Because we, I, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinions, we have the best clubs um, and we have the best scene. A lot of the best music producers are coming out of London and the UK, Manchester, Birmingham, all these places. The clubs are insane. If we lost them, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't know what to say. If these clubs all shut down, you'd be heartbroken. Yeah, I mean, I would be... I think it's just gutting, especially as I've never been to Egg. It's 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 joy. You know it's been on my list for years. It's every time you talk about a venue in 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 London, it, it comes up. And it's I remember when I first started DJ, I was like hammering my age. I was like, please, can you get me an Egg? I'll do anything, please, please. I've always dreamed of of, of playing there. Um, and uh, I, th I think so. I mean, I'm not sure now. I've had a few releases. I wasn't quite cool enough for Egg. Egg were like, well, listen, we'll let a few people play there, but you. I don't think so. Um, but I've always wanted to, to play there. I think it's a dream. And I think, look, if we lost our nightlife in these, in these venues. Um, it would change the landscape. I think, you know, what the interesting thing is, is that, that quality always has a, a, a way of remaining and the cream always rises to the top. And, and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes if people, things are lost along the way, you know, we will always find um, venues that will, will be able to survive or will, will be reincarnated because people, it's not like, What's interesting is when I played at a club, when I first started playing at a club, we didn't really have a venue and it was never about the, the venue. It was about the people. And for example, Egg and these other clubs who were struggling, you know, it's about the people who go there. It's about the people who run them. It's the tastemakers who put these things together that will always ultimately survive. The building may change, the venue may change, but these things will always be resurrected. And I hope that, um, you know, people will donate to Egg. I hope that I get a gig there at some point. I will say that my first gig actually was Ministry of Sound on the balcony. So that's a great place to start. But, you know, to start... Room 103. I went straight in there. Um, so, yeah, I think they, I, I think they hopefully will, they, people will survive. They're in dire need. And I think, you know, the cost is not just financial. You know, the mental health of so many people, the DJs, the producers, the music, of the crowd is all being affected. And I think that if we can if we can stick with that, donate where you can to help really raise awareness, we'll be back there. And, and you know that if they survive, they'll do their, put their very best foot forward to give you the best possible night ever. No, it's also known that the government haven't been like quick to help out nightclubs, have they really? So I, I was always saying, like, I'll, I'll, I'd happily if people were setting up, did put money into clubs to try and keep them going because they're so important. And if if it's something we have to do ourselves, I'm I'm fully game to get involved and 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 try and keep them running. Did you see that the? I mean, the way even Boris Johnson or I don't know, it was Hancock, whoever, and he went. And the last thing went and we might even be able to go clubbing as if it was like a dirty word it was like the last thing on the list it was like fuck oh get gyms open oh god christ schools open and do you know what fucking 
if we can, we'll try and let you all get clubbing. Forgetting that, just because you're stuffy old parliamentarians that don't know anything, we all want to go clubbing. Everybody wants to go partying in wicked venues. So, you know, we want sweat dripping off the walls. We want unbelievable bangers. We want to lose our friends. And we want to, you know, go into a weird, weird random room in Egg that apparently was where the medics are and dance to with the medical cabinet. Like, you get friends for life in that place. <laughs> the smoking room, the, you know, all those memes about the first time you go into the smoking area just for a breather. Someone becomes your best friend, literally tells you the life story and you're like sharing stuff. Like, in lockdown, I used to cry the whole time. You're like, what? Why? I've never told anyone that. Yeah, and you always have stories. Oh, I met this this fellow who was com- completely upside down and he, he stuck with me for the whole night and taking couldn't shake <laughs> Yeah, but hate, that's a I big part of it isn't it it's a big part of of the the kind of nightlife experience just those crazy moments that you don't have in in day-to-day life and that's what people look forward to and they and they've missed yeah, so much sure. over the last year yeah yeah 100 i think i completely i completely agree with you and you know and the, the life characters adventures bonding um surviving the ha- even the hangovers the next day enjoyed uh, enjoy. them, actually. i know uh, I'm, I'm a big um i don't like <laughs> I would like not to have them too, but um, especially on Spice Rum, that's a punchy hangover. That, um, I, but I also think I know we talk about phones in the air and people not concentrating, engaging. I mean, that's again, that's another full story because don't people engage, don't engage in life in general. But what I love is going to those venues and, and hearing that new music yeah, and like smiling, nice. just like shazamming it, <laughs> just going, and then just going home and discover that they've remixed it, the bastards, they've added, or they were playing some tune underneath it that's like you know, some loop that you can't get and you're like, fuck, where was that tune? And then like scouring all online by that's unreleased. And those are all part of the rich tapestry that make up what, you know, I, I, I enjoy, you know, when I'm in my early days, stalking the DJ. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy what you what, do, right? <laughs> you're right, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Security watching it, just like taking notes. Terrified. Somehow, <laughs> using a three-quarter echo. <laughs> there, that's great. Oh, he's, oh, he's got four channels. Oh, he's just doing that. Like, oh, he's high past. <laughs> He's high past that, and I'm literally on my phone <laughs> notes on my phone. Are you, are you drunk, mate? You, you just <laughs> uh, Well, guys. <laughs> Leaning over, get involved. Well, I did that. I did. I, but sometimes I've done this thing. I had, had mates, and they, they draw, people get so excited because they think DJing, I think DJing is really easy or really impossible. And it's obviously, to be good at it, it's way harder than you think. Oh, my, I always find people so fascinated with the fact that if you've got the vinyl mode on, they go, <laughs> would it make that noise? It's the greatest thing ever. Like you're mixing, they'll just go, you're like, the worst thing to happen in a club ever. The worst thing to happen in a club, but they think it's, they think it's like, they're Jazzy Jeff or they're like, you know, uh, uh, whoever it is. They think they're the, the ultimate oh, people yeah. just mixing and they're just making really a, strange, a vinyl sound. Slow, like, oh my God, your life record scratching can, can satisfy so many people. <laughs> I don't know. I, you see that video of that guy online? I know you're trying to wrap it up with that guy online who was so steamy at one of those clubs. Oh, yeah. Leant over and just pulled everything off the guitar. Oh, really? I've had that happen to me. I've had that happen to me. I've had someone playing a student gig back in the day and someone climbed up on the table and pulled the whole table, decks and everything went flying into the crowd. But in it, was, this thing, it was a mess. It was a mess. It's interesting. I've seen that. I've, apparently with this guy, I think it was like a big... I don't know if Nick was playing or someone was like, it was like a top club. This guy was like m- melted, climbed over, pulled it in. And apparently th- the guy's never seen someone get filled in that badly. Like everyone in the crowd was just like, music stops. Like you've ruined. You've everything. ruined the night. <laughs> just gave, a, gave an absolute shooing. Apparently it was, a, as they're plugging it back in, this guy's just getting buried. Like, right, get the the guy, he's like, never seen. <laughs> 
well guys thank you so much for coming on um, for everyone watching at home Egg is running this crowdfunder campaign to keep the club afloat if you can spare anything the link is posted below this video see you later <laughs>